Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. The Almighty comes down to two nude statues in a park and says, for a short period of time, I will bring you to life and you can do whatever you would like to do. So these two statues come to life. They jump into a large set of bushes and there's all kinds of rustling and banging around in the bushes. And of course the Almighty kind of peers around the bushes in time to see the male statue say to the female statue, okay, now you hold down the pigeon and I'll on it. Wow. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And I'm Rico Galliano. And from American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. The man responsible for our icebreaker this week is A. <laughs> Thomas Schumberg. He's kind of like the Leonardo da Vinci of the United States. Translation, he carved the statue of Rocky Balboa in Philadelphia. <laughs> Which is like our nation's David. Indeed. Coming up, comic Tignataro, a disappearing island, big brass bells, the truth about Jimmy Kimmel, how to eat on the street, and a ferry to Fang Island. All in your ears for free, but first, time for Small Talk. So, Brendan, this week in the headlines, the Constitution spontaneously combusted, the earth was rent in twain, and the fires of hell ravaged what was once the greatest country on earth. Yeah, healthcare passed. That's right. And luckily, America's pre-existing condition, a.k.a. insanity, yes. is now covered. In 2014. Okay, but covered. Uh, anyway, we asked the folks at Marketplace to tell us about some less historic headlines. <laughs> Lassie Michelis, web developer at Marketplace. What story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, there's this new bar in New York called The Exchange, where the prices of drinks are based on supply and demand within the bar. So it's like a mini stock market? Exactly. They actually have tickers um, around the bar that show the price of of, uh, drinks at any given moment. That's amazing. I always hedge my Budweiser with a shot of whiskey. John Haas, editor at Marketplace, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, India and Bangladesh have been fighting over this mile-long island since the 1970s, and a researcher was looking at satellite photographs this weekend. The island's gone. What? What? Yeah, they assumed that because of global warming, it just disappeared back into the sea. But now, but see, now there's going to be a new war as uh, pacifists and environmentalists fight over who gets the use of that metaphor. Stacey Vanek-Smith, senior reporter at Marketplace. What's your story? Well, the Christian Science Monitor reports this week that a British department store has started a divorce registry service. A divorce, like, like the opposite of a marriage registry. Right, because when you get divorced, you know, like you lose half your stuff, so you have to register to have your friends help you out and get it back. This is unbelievable. We have to buy stuff for people when they get married, and now we have to buy stuff for them when they get divorced? Yes. How about a single-person registry? (laughs) And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is a T-shirt in Cancun, suddenly made transparent by a bucket of booze. It's a wet t-shirt joke on public radio. I know, I've been waiting for that one for a long time. First, the history. Right around this time, back in 1817, the New York Stock Exchange formally began. Now, we're going to assume your dinner party guests know what the stock exchange is. Not mine, but we're assuming yours do. But we bet they don't know much about its best-known symbol. Our friend Michelle Philippi is here to tell you all about it. The New York Stock Exchange closing bell wasn't always a bell. 
In the 19th century, a guy would bang a gavel to signal the end of the trading day. Later, it was a Chinese gong. But in 1903, the exchange moved into a new building with a giant gilded trading room seven stories high. A gong wasn't going to cut it. They needed something loud. Enter the bell or rather, bells. There are four of them, which ring in unison in each of the exchange's trading areas. They're a foot and a half across, they look kind of like big brass fire alarms, and they're priceless. How come? Well, no one makes bells that big and loud anymore. Not brass ones, anyway. In fact, in the 1980s, when the exchange ordered a backup replica bell, the company that built the originals had to bring workers out of retirement to make it. They were the only guys who knew how. They never got to complete the replica, though, because just as they started working on it, someone discovered a fifth bell. It had been shoved in a crawl space above the trading floor 80 years earlier and forgotten, probably because at two feet wide, it was too loud to use anywhere except a war zone. Today, it sits on the stock exchange wall with the volume cranked down. For decades, ringing the closing bell was an honor reserved for dignitaries and CEOs. Lately, not so much. Recent bell ringers include Sports Illustrated swimsuit models, Darth Vader, and SpongeBob SquarePants. So that was the history, and now it's time for the drink to serve along with it. I am at Leal in the Financial District of New York City, the restaurant uh, run by Anthony Bourdain. And I'm talking with the bartender here. His name is Dave DeCherbo. And Dave, you've heard the history. What drink does it inspire you to make? Absolutely. Uh, something we call the Exchange Elixir. And what is that? Ah, we came up with that name when uh, another bartender and I were experimenting with the St. Germain French cocktail, the elderflower cocktail. So we had one of our regulars who works on the exchange, Tim, was sitting in here one afternoon. And uh, when we hit upon this current incarnation, Tim looked up and said, this is the elixir after a long day at the exchange. And right there, we knew it was done. It's not the elixir before a long day on the exchange? <laughs> well, the way things are going now, that's only a matter of time. No, but this is great because the stock market bell signals the end of a long day on the exchange, and here's the elixir for it. Uh, let's, you've got all the accoutrement. Make this thing for me. All right, I'm going to start by icing down the martini glasses. So cold and refreshing looking. Well, it does you no good to pour a cold drink into a warm glass. So while we've got those chilling down, I'm going to start with vodka, an equal amount of St. Germain. We'll then add a couple notes of citrus with some fresh lemon and fresh lime juice. Touch of cranberry juice for color. A little bit of grapefruit to complete the citrus notes. And then a vigorous shake. And now we are ready to pour. This is my favorite part. I'm gonna give it a sip. Oh man, that is delicious. It's like super tart, actually. Well, actually, it's not super tart, but it's, it, there's a little sweet in it, but I like it. And about 90% alcohol. It's good to just get you started again after a long day on the floor. Or it's a good way to get you started heading towards the floor. <laughs> so Rico, here's what I was thinking when I was listening to that. All right. School children and boxers, there are people who need a bell right. to tell them work time's over. 
what is wrong with stockbrokers? Like, school children, they're uneducated. Boxers are getting punched in the face their entire shift. <laughs> right. But stockbrokers... Stockbrokers are having fun. <laughs> they're just having too much fun. They lose I track of time. I think the answer to that question is really will tell us a lot about our financial problems. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you can figure out what the problem is, message us at facebook.com slash dinnerpartydownload. Our guest of honor this week is comic Tig Notaro. She plays Joan Jett's mom in the new film The Runaways. You may have seen her special on Comedy Central. And Tig, I think you're one of the few comedians who's open for indie rock acts like Jens Lechman, as well as performed on shows like The Jimmy Kimmel Show. What's it like toggling between um, these two different audiences? Well, Jimmy's show, it's, it's or like any late night show. Or... Sucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm here to talk about it. Jimmy Kimmel sucks. No, it's um, funny because when I actually did Jimmy's show, I submitted my jokes through email. Mm-hmm. And the booking agent wrote back saying, this is way too short. At the time, Sarah Silverman was dating Jimmy Kimmel, and she's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And I told her about that, and she contacted the booker going, you don't understand. (laughs) This might even run long. Tig takes so long to deliver her jokes. Your cadence is slow, and kind of part of your delivery is, I wouldn't say awkward, but it's kind of... It's Yeah, it can be awkward. It can be, um, I like the whole um, tension of... Like it's like watching George Bush give a speech. You're like, is she going to pull it off? Well, thank you. <laughs> That's what I think of when I see you. <laughs> is she gonna? Do, does she have the vocabulary to finish her career? I uh, I've always had a problem with the saying, "I'm head over heels for you." I'm head over heels for you. My head is over my heels for you. You have impacted my life in no way, (laughs) shape, or form. So can we talk about The Runaways? Yeah. What are you doing in it? I play Joan Jett's mom. But you're too young. It's in the 70s. Okay. And Kristen Stewart, who is a star of Twilight. Yeah. I didn't realize Kristen was a huge star uh, because (laughs) I don't follow really anything. And when um, this movie came up, I had never done a movie And then I ended up getting the part and I was in my trailer looking at myself in this wig and dress. And I was like, how (laughs) did me making jokes lead to me wearing this outfit (laughs) and having to play Joan Jett's mom? I'm so confused. Um, So we have two standard questions we ask on our show. And the first one is, um, what question are you tired of being asked at dinner parties? Uh, Is it harder to be a female comedian why are you tired of hearing that it's so boring like it just drains me it's like people are like i'm a woman where can i go to be safe starting out doing comedy and i'm like you you can't in comedy what do they mean when they say like like places to go where the audience is receptive yeah it's like god why would you go there that's that's (laughs) like the worst gauge of what you're trying to do so um, we have another question, which is, tell us something we don't know about you, something that you haven't talked about in interviews before. I don't do it anymore, but when I was like eight, nine, ten, I was obsessed with drawing Civil War portraits. <laughs> I also carried a briefcase. <laughs> and um, Wait, is this because you're from 
the South, maybe? Do a lot of kids do that? Don't I, they? I, no, I was alone okay. in this. <laughs> With your briefcase. Yeah, I had a briefcase full of Civil War portraits and Star Wars action figures. <laughs> Sounds uh, like my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> my great-great-grandfather was the mayor of New Orleans. I have a right. lot of history in the South. So and you're fancy from the South. I'm pretty fancy, I guess is what I was trying to get to. (laughs) I was hoping we could hit on that. No, we're there. We struck it. Uh, I never made Civil War drawings, for the record. I got a little carried away, but you You don't deny the briefcase. I sure do deny the briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) What what is that thing you're constantly carrying around? What's that thing near your desk? That's Boba Fett's vertical transport unit. Sir. All right. If you have 140 <laughs> characters that are not Star Wars characters and uh, you can put them together, you should follow us at Dinner Party DNLD. All right. So we've met our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food. Rico, what's going on? We've talked a lot on this show about all these food trucks that have sprung up selling gourmet street food. Nonstrants. As you call them. My favorite word of last year. And and America's. But we haven't talked about the biggest problem with these trucks. That they uh, make us actually pay for the food? Yes. That they're not free? And the fact that it is impossible to eat the food once you have paid for it. You get a plate of tacos in one hand, you have a drink in the other, you got your change buried somewhere in the palm there, and now what do you do? I know, it's like... My- my, my white t-shirts look like street food camouflage. There's like a brown blotch. There's like mustard. I blend in with little children. So anyway, the other day in Brooklyn, I met up with a designer named Allie Pulver, and she showed me some items she made that turn ordinary street objects into eating stations. Things like fire hydrants. Now, we usually think of them as um, places where you let your dog urinate. But you, you looked at it and I saw a place to eat. It as a place as a two-top table for lunch. <laughs> You're an odd duck. Yeah, I, I guess I am. Describe what uh, you then did. I ended up just taking a simple piece of plywood and I laser cut a pentagon hole on the top that fit perfectly on the nut of a fire hydrant and you have a, a lightweight portable table that you can easily take off if there's a fire. All right, so we're on a street corner. We're underneath a uh, parking, a no parking sign, an ubiquitous landmark here in New York City. And show me some other stuff you've designed. Well, I have a couple of cup hooks here, and this is um, it's like a cup holder that works like a pegboard. So it's got kind of a hook on the end, and you can put it through those little holes in uh, the sign. Exactly. These holes are standard to all uh, no parking signs. So you just insert it into one of the holes, pull down, and uh, there you go. You have a place to set your cup, and it has a little hook where you can hang your uh, bag or jacket. Do people ever give you looks when you deploy these? Well, it's funny. I had a big photo shoot to um, capture all of my different ideas, and I left one of the cup hooks in the street sign for a few hours, and it was still there. I had my friend go back and, and get it, and it was still there. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. No, it's perfect. It blended into the environment. Yeah. So. It is part of the New York environment now. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, what, what else do you have here? These are, I like to think of them as uh, modern-day mobile lunch counters. I'm calling it a lunch ledge. It's made of aluminum. It's a flat surface on top, and there's magnets on the back, and uh, it creates an instant surface for you to eat your lunch on. Let's find somewhere to put them. I actually designed the back of the lunch ledge to fit the light post. These light posts are kind of hexagonal, and you've made this the perfect width so that it fits on one face of the hexagon. Exactly. 
and it just sticks there. It just sticks. Those are really strong magnets. How, what's the heaviest thing you ever put on that? A huge burrito from Calexico, food car in Soho. That was really heavy. And let me tell you, those are like the size of a small baby. Yeah. Could you actually change a baby on one of these? I don't think so. I think that's your next product. It's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> Enrique, that's a really good idea. Your idea is a really good idea. Thanks. But they already have those changing stations in public restrooms for babies. Well, yes. You can't carry those in a backpack, but I, yes. <laughs> when I see them, I want to take a nap on them, but they're too small. They should have a nap ledge. You should have Allie make a nap ledge for us. Uh, so you're saying you want to take naps in public restrooms? Don't judge me. <laughs> Walking in New York is exhausting. And that's the Dinner Party Download for this week. Keep up with us between shows at dinnerpartydownload.com. Thanks to Nihar Patel for helping us set the table. Thanks also to Fletch Kohlhausen, Eve Tro, Christina Wolf, and Ethan Kramer. And we leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to play on your way to or departing from this weekend's dinner party. The band is called Fang Island. They describe their music as the sound of, quote, everyone high-fiving everyone. Nice. The song is called Daisy. Bon appétit.
I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. Everyone put your hands on your iPods. High five. <laughs>